Cool. Nate? That's Nate. We both have the same haircut. The same barber. <laughs> uh, what a privilege to be here tonight. It's this just, uh, God, how many of you know God's good? But there's an aspect of God that many of us have not studied, and that's the sovereignty of God. When God's in charge, when you think you are. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? When God's in charge, when you think you're in charge, that's sovereignty. In other words, God can bring a waitress to you that needs a word, that needs prayer. I mean, we have gotten the same waitress at Grumpy's every time, and tonight we got a different lady. Clip on. Oh, this is fine. I'm good. Um, we sang that song, How He Loves Us So, and my wife and I leaned over to each other and reminds us of our grandson, Jack. Jack is a rascal. High maintenance. And somewhat like his grandmother. But... Um, we took him in our car with us. We were up here. We were speaking at uh, Richmond, Minnesota at a camp, uh, Riverside Resort. And um, so they were staying with us at the camp, and we were going into St. Cloud to get something to eat. And Jack said, I want to ride with Grammy and Papa. So we said, okay, he can ride with us. And so he gets in the back seat, and he's still sitting in a car seat kind of thing. He's four. And uh, he was acting up. And he was being belligerent. He was being ugly. And I, I kept thinking, God, what do we do? You know, I can't just turn around and swat him one. Although I'd like to, I, I just can't do that. And uh, so I said, darling, uh, put that song on. Oh, how he loves us. And so darling, put on the CD, clipped it over to how he loves us so it was his favorite song and as soon as it came on he started screaming no no how he loves us so oh how he loves us he calmed right down peace of god filled our car and i saw a miracle take place turned belligerence in life. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Not just belligerence. But take something dead and makes it alive. That's my testimony. He took a dead man. I was dying. I was ready for death. I'd committed myself to commit suicide. I was ready to overdose. I had the heroin in my car. I had an outfit to shoot it up in my veins. My guess was it would have taken me about three hot shots to get the job done. And I passed a Christian coffee house and heard him singing. And I stopped. And the sovereign God took me from my plan to his. And they started talking about Jesus and how Jesus was there that night. And I actually shrugged it off and shook my head. I said, oh, it's a church. It wasn't a church. It was people presenting Jesus Christ. That is the church. It wasn't a building. It was a bonfire. It was the only night they ever built a bonfire was that night. They never built one after it or before it. And if that bonfire hadn't been burning, I would have never stopped. I would have gone on and committed suicide. But the sovereign God let them build a bonfire that night. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> I used to say, well, I found Jesus. No, he found me. He found me on my way to commit suicide. And brought me into the kingdom of God. And gave me life. And, and breathed life into me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 
37, verse 1. And if you would just be patient with me and let me read 14 verses to you. Can you do that? You can read along with me. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Okay? If you have that translation, it's good. Uh, But uh, this is a really good translation of this. This is the dry bones vision that Ezekiel had. It says, The Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit. If you want to underline that, underline that. That's a big S. That's the Holy Spirit. I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Not partially, completely. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Ezekiel answered, O sovereign Lord, you alone know that answer. (laughs) I love that. In other words, he didn't have a clue. And the best response to God when he asks you a question, you know, Lord, you already know the answer because I don't. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across that valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, capital S, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Now, I don't know about you, but that is perhaps one of the most powerful visions any human being has ever had. It was a vision of death. It was a vision of separation. It was a vision of judgment. Okay? The judgment had come upon the nation of Israel. They found themselves as dead and dry bones. Now, I don't know... If you've been keeping up with our nation, (laughs) I suppose you have. But how many of you know our nation is right about at that point? We are dry bones. Whatever we had before, we're, we're losing it day by day, moment by moment. And what about the church, the body of Christ? To me, this is a picture of the body of Christ without the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the body of Christ that has atrophied to the point where it's deadness. There's no life. 
fact, it says here, there's no life in them. They were completely dried out. And you know, in some way, I believe God was trying to say to us, I have to let it go that far in order for the breath to be recognized. Because the issue in this message was not just to put the bones back together. That was the easy part. And put skin on. That was the easy part for God. That's not hard. The hard part is to get breath into you. And to breathe life into you. And, and I like to amplify it. It says, in breathing life and spirit. Okay, breathing life and spirit. And in the Amplified, it's a little s there when it says life and spirit. What does that mean? Well, it's not talking there about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the human spirit. Now, I don't know if you've studied this or not, but the second set of books that I read when I came to Christ was by Watchman Nee. My first book I read, other than the Bible, was Spiritual Authority by Watchman Nee. And God put that in my hands on purpose because I was still a rebel at heart. Anybody here ever had any rebellion in you? Just two of you? Three. Oh, four, five. The rest of you liars, I'll get to you later. But, but there, there was rebel in me yet to be conquered. I did not know what it meant to recognize authority. I did not know what it meant to see authority in the church and the body of Christ. And had I not read that book, I would have never been able to recognize the true authority that rests in the gifted ones in the body of Christ. And God had a plan for me. He wanted me to be in the body of Christ and part of that body and to walk in a certain amount of authority. And the only way I could walk in that authority was if I was under authority. And so I read that book, and then some wise pastor walked up to me and handed me three books. And the title of the three books was The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. And if you ever read any history of Watchman Nee, what a phenomenal man of God he was. He wrote The Spiritual Man while he was on his deathbed. People don't know this. And he said, I wrote that as a dying, weakened man, so much so that I could not walk across the room to go to the bathroom. He said, I was so weak in my physical body, I knew I was dying, but God said, write this book, and he dictated that book to a dictator, and the book was written. He did the last chapter, the final word of the last chapter, and when he finished and they put the period on it, The Lord spoke to him. He said, now get up. He said, God, I can't get up. I'm too sick. And he said, get up and walk across the room. So he rolled off the bed, landed on the floor, got up on his knees, pulled himself up to his feet and was instantly healed. Instantly healed. And went on to write some of the greatest books One of them, The Normal Christian Life, is one of the best books you could ever read. He he wrote another one that he said, please don't read it. He really did. It was called The Latent Power of the Soul. Don't read it if you don't want to know what your soul is like. If you want to just la-la-la into the kingdom, don't read that book because it will scare the bewillies out of you. Serious. But what I did in reading that, Spirit, Soul, and Body, which, by the way, is in the order it's written in Scripture. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless unto the day of the Lord. Spirit, soul, and body. When I hear somebody mix it up and say body, soul, and spirit, it says to me something. It says they have not come to the revelation yet that the first thing we are, The very first thing we are is a spirit. We are a spirit. You say, but I I have flesh and and bone on me. Yes, you you do. That's your body. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. And you live in a body. 
And what had to be breathed into those bones was something that had departed from humanity. And that was the spirit man. And when God began to breathe his Holy Spirit back into that body, what he was breathing first back into that body was an awareness and understanding that they were a spirit. I am spirit. When I was born again, March 17th, 1972, again on my way to commit suicide, I met Jesus in a magnificent way. I didn't believe in the real Jesus until that night. When I was 180, I was 180. I stopped using drugs that night. I stopped smoking that night. I stopped drinking to the point of, of alcoholism. I did it all. Cursing left me. Every other word in my vocabulary before I hit my knees that night were curse words. I used the F word like a language. I knew I was a changed man. Three days after I was converted, I'm walking down the street. I was eating a Snickers bar. Serious. I crumpled up the paper after I ate it and threw it on the ground and took a step away when I heard my heart say, no way. And I did not know what that was about. I said, what? I'm looking around for that voice. It was coming from in here. I said, no way. I said, God, what, what are you saying? Pick up the paper. I honestly said, what paper? He said, the one you just threw on the ground. Oh. So I picked it up and crumpled it up and put it in my pocket. And I walked on to the Jesus house where I was living. And I was directing the Jesus house three days after I was saved. Walked in the door, they made me the director. Leadership immediately. But we were sitting around the table that night. I still have the crumpled snicker in my pocket, the piece of paper. And a guy that had just come in from prison, we took in ex-prisoners, drug addicts, and he started telling a filthy joke. Now that wouldn't be unusual in the prison setting, but in a place called the Jesus House, that just wasn't appropriate. Okay? But as he was telling it, somebody stopped him and said, Stop. Look at Bill. And they all turned to look at me, and I was blushing. Now, I'd spent four and a half years in prison. I'd heard every dirty joke you could imagine, and I was blushing beet red. I had to run to the bathroom and look at my face in the mirror. I said, whoa, I'd never blushed in my life. I said, what's that, God? God said, that's a sign of your renewed conscience. And I was so stunned that I had a conscience. You see, I'd been diagnosed as a sociopath. You know what a sociopath is? That's a person without a conscience. They care for nothing but themselves. They never think of their actions harming anyone else. All they think about is themselves. And I was diagnosed in prison as a sociopath with no hope. No hope of ever changing that I would remain a sociopath. No conscience. And when the Holy Spirit came into me and breathed that life into me and brought life to my spiritual man that was dead, dry bones, he breathed that life into me that night. I was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what it was. I had no clue about the Holy Spirit. But that night I spoke in tongues. And I thought, what is that? I thought, my goodness, I know how to speak Arabic. I seriously thought it was Arabic. But I, I have to tell you, from that point to this, it's 43 and a half years ago, God has been adding to my life day by day, as long as it's still called today, encouragement. 
He's been encouraging me. He has never once slapped me down and said how stupid you are and what dumb mistakes you make and your value is nil. I have never had God speak that to me. God has always imparted to me life. That's what he was doing with these dead bones. He was imparting life. About three weeks ago, before I left Florida, I had a friend of mine that I trust implicitly as a prophetic voice in our lives. And he's got to be one of the funniest human beings I've ever lived with and been around. His name is Dennis. In fact, he's flying in Friday here into the Twin Cities, and we're going to have lunch with him. He flies private jets for Delta. He's flying Anderson, Richard Anderson, on Friday from Miami to Minneapolis. And I said, isn't that great? Richard Anderson chose you to fly him up, and I get to visit with you. But this guy called me three weeks ago, and he said, Bill, I don't know what it is, but God's going to give you some sort of revelation out of Ezekiel 37 on the dry bones. And when I got a hold of Paul, I shared with him, I said, Paul, I've been meaning to call you for the last three weeks. But I, this was what, Saturday? Saturday. And I said, you know, I have two Tuesdays open on my schedule. That's this coming Tuesday and the 14th of July. And I said, um, I would love to come by and share I've got something that the Lord's been laying on my heart and he's been speaking to me over and over again from this Ezekiel message. That we, the body of Christ, is in a position right now to receive an impartation of fresh breath. Listen to me. Fresh breath and our spirits made alive to conquer our soulish nature. Come on. So that our bodies can follow along into what God wants to do, not only in the Americas, but all over the world. Listen to me. God's on the move. I have never in my 43 years of walking with Jesus heard or seen things that are happening right now. There's a move of the miraculous amongst the ISIS fighters. Come on. In Syria. I read a report today by Voice of the Martyrs, today, of an ISIS fighter who was holding his gun on a Christian, and he said, I'm going to kill you. And the Christian said, before you shoot me, I want you to take my Bible. He shot him and killed him. He picked up the Bible. He began to read it. Guess where he read it? Acts 9. <laughs> Say, what's Acts 9? That's where Saul of Tarsus was converted on the road to Damascus. Come on. That night, he had a dream. Jesus met him in the dream, and he said, Why are you killing my people? Stop killing my people. Are you Are you breathing? Guys, the next night he had another dream. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. And my name is not Allah. My name is Yahweh. And that ISIS murderer converted to Christianity when he woke up. Come on, guys. And he asked to meet with a bunch of YWAMers. Would you disciple me? Now, how many of you know if you were one of those YWAMers, you'd be a little concerned, wouldn't you? <laughs> but let me tell you, God's doing this over and over and over and over again. One whole village in northern Syria, every man in the village had the same dream the same night about Jesus saying he's the Son of God. 
I'm not just a nice guy. I'm the son of the living God. Totally opposite of what the Quran teaches. The Quran teaches that Jesus was not the son of God. My Bible says he is. So there's a major conflict right there. But when Jesus visits you in a dream and says, I am the son of God, how many of you know you've just had a pretty hefty dream? (laughs) What is that, guys? That is the breath of God coming out of the Holy Spirit into something that's absolutely dead. Most every one of us would say there's no real redemption for those ISIS fighters. How could they be saved? Well, Francis Frangipan, how many of you know who that is? He's a really good friend of ours. I call him Frankie Frankie Panky. (laughs) But he wrote something two days ago on his blog about Ezekiel. It was amazing. I'm saying, I sent this to my friend Dennis, and he said, Conformation. And what it said was, that Ezekiel was not told to be angry at the dry bones or to speak angrily to the dry bones, but to prophesy the way God says to prophesy, and that is to call the Holy Spirit in. And there was an impartation to those dry bones. Now, when I talked to Paul, he said something really significant to me the other day. He said, Bill, I... I have had a touch from the Holy Spirit. And he said it was from an African, from Uganda. And he said, uh, but when he prayed for me and he touched me, he said, I had something happen that I'm not sure I even believed in. I got an impartation. That's what Ezekiel is all about. It's the impartation. And he said, I wasn't even sure I believed in it, but I got it. Do you understand? This is a theologian sitting over there. That's a theological wizard over there, man. Wizard? Well, king. (laughs) But, But listen, for him to say, I don't even know if I believed in it, but I got it. That says to me, God's on the move. Because if he can break through the intellect and get into the spirit man and bring an impartation to somebody as sharp as this man, get ready. Because God's going to do it for you. Now, I don't want to preach real long, but I I do want to give you, and how many of you know that's scary when a preacher says that? I don't want to preach too long. Well, I'm going to go another hour. I'm not, but I, I, uh, I live in Tampa, Florida, and many of you know what happened in 1995, 1996. Some of you don't. You weren't even born then, but uh, in 1995, 1996, we had a South African evangelist come to Lakeland, Florida at the Carpenter's Home Church and began to hold meetings. His name was Rodney Howard Brown, Okay. And the vineyard pastor from Inver Grove brought himself and his six kids, was it, darling? Six kids. kids. So there was eight of them came and stayed in our house, and there were eight of us in a small four-bedroom house. We, We had bodies everywhere. But the reason he came was his friend Randy Clark was at the meetings in Lakeland, on New Year's Day. And he said, Bill, I would like to go over there. And I said, well, I'll go with you. Now, my motivation for going was to go as a critique. I had heard what was going on. I was interested because my 15-year-old son had been going and came back changed, really changed. That 15-year-old son was a 15-year-old Jack. I already told you about Jack. You want me to remind you? The rascal. Oh, how he loves us so. Okay. He came back touched by the Holy Spirit. One of the nights, he called Darlene, my wife, and he said, "Uh, Mom, yeah, it's nearly 1 o'clock in the morning. 
well, where are you, son? We're in the parking lot of Carpenter's Home Church, driving around in circles. Because Miss Marion, our driver, is so drunk in the spirit, she can't find the road to get out of the parking lot. (laughs) And I was in Europe. Darlene called me and told me this. I said, man, I got to go see this. So January 1st, I went with my friend. And I went basically to criticize, laughing while people were preaching. How can you do that? Harumph. You know what had happened to me? I had gotten religiousized. I'd become religious. And I was harumphing. Anybody here ever harumphed? I was harumphing. So that can't be God, harumph. How could God do that? Harumph. And so I went with a big harumph in me, okay? I get to the meetings. This guy, Rodney Howard Brown, gets up and preaches after some fabulous worship. Great message. I thought, man, that's a great message. And then he spent 45 minutes taking an offering. I said, now that doesn't sit well with me. But the anointing was there. The Holy Spirit was there, so I couldn't harumph. You know, you can harumph when the Holy Spirit's not somewhere. But when the Holy Spirit's there, it's very difficult to harumph that thing. I should title this message, The Great Harumph. (laughs) But he got through taking the offering, and then he started ministering, and he was way over on the other side of the auditorium, and I was sitting with John Marsden up in the pastor's section, about five rows back from the front. And he went way over to the other side of the auditorium, and I'm watching people get touched by the Holy Spirit, knocked to the floor. Rodney wasn't touching a soul. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. (laughs) And people were laughing all through his message, and I thought, that was weird. Harumph. My harumph was real soft. Then he turns and comes right over to our section. And the guy in front of me, I knew him. He was a Southern Baptist pastor. He was wearing dark sunglasses and a hat pulled down. Serious. He thought he was incognito. I knew who he was. He was in Lakeland. He wasn't incognito. That's a joke. In Minnesota, I usually don't have to explain my jokes. Only in Iowa. Anyway... Anyway, so he calls the Baptist guy up. And he said, would you step out? And before the Baptist could say a word, he's standing up, stepped out. Rodney goes, filled. Boom! The guy hit the deck. I did not believe in impartation. Are you with me? My theological mind couldn't wrap itself around impartation. And he started to turn around and walk off when he stopped. And he turned around. And let's say you're me sitting in that chair like this. And he pointed at me. And he said, the deposit of God is in you. And he said, stand up, please. I went. Yes. I stood up, and I'm standing there. There's no catchers, okay? And he said, very quietly, filled. Bam! (laughs) I landed on my backside. (laughs) I can't twitch a finger. The power of God is running up and down my body, impartation was being made and I didn't even know it and I look up at John Marsden and this is what I said I've fallen and I can't get up (laughs) he's laughing his head off and then he falls out of his chair on the floor but while I'm laying on that floor 
I felt something reach down inside of my soul. Now, don't ask me how I knew it was my soul, but I knew it was my soul. And I felt these hands grab something in my soul, and I felt it being pulled out of me. And I laid on that floor for 45 minutes. I felt this thing being pulled out of me. And I said to God in my mind, God, what was that? He said, just wait and I'll show you. And he said, what you're receiving right now is impartation. And I went, but God, I don't even believe in that. He said, just receive it. He said, your receiver has been broken by your intellect. Did you hear what I just said? Your receiver has been broken by your intellect. And I'm not the most intellectual person you've ever met. But if my intellect could break my receiver, that's what God was healing that night was my receiver. And listen, every one of you in this room, you have a receiver. Is it open to receive or is it closed off? Are you saying, well, I don't know about all this bam stuff. And But as I laid there on the floor and those hands pulled that thing out of me, God said, I'll show you what that is later. Two months later, well, three actually, because it was April, somebody gave us tickets to Universal Studios for my kids and us. And gave us two nights in the Radisson Hotel right across the road from Universal Studio. So we had VIB tickets and a beautiful suite at Radisson given to us as a gift. And I hadn't had a vacation in three years. It was two nights. I was ready. So we go over, check into the hotel. We all had a blast at Universal that day. We got up the next morning. We decided not to go until later. And Seth, my son, said, Dad, I want to watch a Cubs game. He's a huge Cubs fan. My uh, cousin used to play ball for the Cubs, Jody Davis. That's right. Jody, Jody, Jody. Anyway, so he and I stayed up in the room to watch the Cubs game together. Darlene and the kids all went down to the pool. So it was the seventh inning stretch, if you know what that is. And Seth's kind of stretching on the bed, and he leans up on his hand like this, and he says, by the way, Dad, I love what the renewal in Lakeland has done for you. I went, what? He said, I love what it's done for you. And the Lord spoke to me in my heart, and he said, now is when I'll reveal to you what I took out of you. And I said, what's that, son? He said, Dad, since you went to that renewal and you fell out on the floor, you listened to my whole sentences. I broke. And I wept. Because I had been crying out to God, God, take that out of me. I hate that. That's what my dad did to me my whole life. There was never a yes out of my dad. It was always no. And I had been doing that with my children and especially with Seth. Difficult child. But he said, Dad, you've been listening to everything I have to say. And the Holy Spirit said to me, that's what I took out of you that day. And it's been gone ever since. Listen to me. God has something he wants to do. God's on the move. Anybody here want to move with him? How many of you are just a tad bit scared? (laughs) Just a tad bit. It's okay to admit it, guys. But from that point until this day, the impartation that was given to me that day is still within me, and I've been giving it away. I've been giving it away. You see, when God did all that for me, he reminded me of the day I came to Christ. He said, do you remember what you said? You said, I can't wait to give this to some of my friends. 
And that's what I've been doing since that day. I just decided, man, this is so good, i got to give it up. I can't keep it for myself. This salvation is amazing. This Holy Spirit is powerful. And I decided I was going to live my life giving this thing away. I got nothing I want to keep for myself. I want to give it away. And you know what happens? When I give it away, I get more. But I don't get more for myself. I get more to give away. That's what I married. I married a giver and a servant. She's taught me what it's like to be generous and to give and to serve in the right heart and the right spirit. That's impartation from my wife to me. I'm not asking her to testify if I've given her anything. Probably headaches, but we'll talk about that later. But do you hear what I'm saying? The whole story of Ezekiel 37 is a story of impartation. He took him and he showed him all this deadness and all this dryness. And he said, can these bones live? Ask yourself the question, can this person live? Do I need fresh breath? Do I need a touch of impartation? Do I even want it? What will it do to me? Will it make me funny looking? Most of you have already made it. Quit worrying about it. Just get up in the morning, ladies, without your makeup. Look in the mirror and go, oh, man, this needs help. I get up in the morning and I say, there is no help. (laughs) All I can hope is strike some blind eyes, God, so they don't see how goofy I look. (laughs) That's funny. That was a joke. Do you hear, listen, do you hear the Holy Spirit? You see, what I kept hearing today was a rattling of bones. I kept hearing the rattling of bones. And I kept hearing the Lord say, it's time to impart the breath. The breath. And some of us in this room have been skating along without the breath. And we're okay. But is that all you want? Do you want to just be okay? Or do you want to step into a destiny that has God's greatness at the forefront? I believe that's what you're in this room for tonight. It's for the destiny of God to be manifested in your spirit man. So that your soul takes its rightful order and your body falls along. Am I in the right group tonight? I, I, I think I am. I think I am. Is there anybody here that would like that kind of impartation? Look. Look around, guys. All right, we got plenty of room up here. We've got a little aisle way here and a little aisle way there. I would like for my brother, would you please come up here with me? Darlene, would you come? If he's had this touch and impartation, which he testified to me about, I'm 99% sure his wife has experienced a touch. Am I right? Yes. Yes. My wife has experienced the touch of the Holy Spirit. And you see, I think there's an old, there's a, not old song, but a song that was sung in 2007 in England became the number one song in all of England. And it was this, just one touch from the king changes everything. Do you believe that? So I want people to come up here tonight who want that touch from the king, not from us. All we are are conduits 
But God uses conduits. He says, lay hands. The gifts were imparted to you by the laying on of hands. Okay? So us four up here right now, and anybody else you deem? Got anybody else you want up here? Okay. But I would like for everyone that wants that touch to stand. To stand. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, the last shall be first. The first shall be last. I would like the back row. Come on up here. The very far back row, those of you who are standing. Come on up here. Next row, get in line. Come on. Okay, come on, over here. Get ready, because it's coming already. (laughs) What I'm looking for is where's the Holy Spirit? Come on. Come on, right here. Right here. All right, y'all, hold up. And listen, as we pray and impart, okay, just fall into line. The next row behind the yellow shirt. Eric, is it? Wow. You guys, it doesn't mean you have to fall down. If any of you are, the Lord just told me some people are afraid of that. That doesn't have to happen. You okay? I fell down. I don't care if you do or not, okay? What I'm looking for is that impartation, okay? I could have gotten that impartation standing up, but I couldn't stand up. So if you can't stand up, feel free. But if you can, feel free to receive. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this. Heavenly Father, heal my receiver. Make me a receiver so I can be a giver to others of this impartation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You pray for her. You come on up here. You pray for him. Okay?
Thank you. 